Welcome to Your Sales MBA, the podcast where your hosts, Jeff Hoffman and Cece Aparo, answer your most challenging sales and management questions. This week's topic is one of the most popular topics you've all requested in your emails, so let's dive in. Do you struggle with negotiation? Worried that you're not pushing your prospect enough, or worse, pushing them too much? Do you get nervous when you have to start talking about pricing, contracts, procurement? Jeff and Cece have the solution. They're revealing the best tips for negotiating with authority, sharing their expert advice on negotiating early, and even revealing the secret to closing your prospect on the first call. Your sales MBA starts now. So it's Wednesday, which means it must be time for another Your Sales MBA podcast. Hey, everybody. Jeff Hoffman here. I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Cece Aparo. Hello there. How are you doing, Cece? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's not really Wednesday, though, is it for us? No, it's not. It's no, we not. Won't say it's what not day it is, but it's not Wednesday. No, no I did. I just said it. <laughs> oh, you said it already. Yeah, it's Monday. Cap out um, of the bag. It's Monday. You know, this is we talk about this in some of the trainings. Like, I, I, I'm a big believer in doing this kind of stuff on Mondays. I don't like doing any client-facing work on Monday if I can avoid it, for a lot of reasons. The number one reason is I hate Mondays. And, Amen. And I think that most people hate Mondays. So. Sales efforts, I mean, there's enough reasons people don't like salespeople. You want to add calling me on a Monday morning to the list? (laughs) So, I mean, it doesn't mean I don't work at all. I will do sales calls on Monday, maybe afternoons, not mornings. But for me, Mondays are research and emails and meetings and product knowledge and working on roadmaps and doing things that are important but not urgent like this great podcast series. So I'm, I'm glad that we do it on a Monday and I feel good all week that we did it. Yeah. And Mondays, I mean, doing something like this on a Monday, it just makes the day fly by and it makes me yeah. happy. Yeah. Because it'll be the afternoon and I'll be like, all right, good. I killed the Monday. Very nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what? Okay. But here's a real question. Yeah. What do you hate more? Do you hate Sunday evenings or Monday mornings? Because okay. I have like a very real opinion on this. Okay. I, first of all, it's not even close. I love Sundays. So it's definitely Monday, but I, I, I'm, I'm here to hear what you say because I just saw some clickbait on my phone on an article I forget the name of it, but there's like there's Sunday scary. There's a word for Sunday afternoons now. On people are stressed out on Sunday afternoons. But when yeah, we, it's we, a Sunday like scary. Them? It's a Sunday scaries. I get them. It doesn't matter. I, I, I saw it like, oh, I'm almost thirty. I turned thirty in two weeks. This is a big deal, right? But I thought by thirty, like I'd kind of have the weekends figured out, and I'd kind of have like the idea that like we go back to work on Monday, and it's a whole another week again, and I'd be okay with it. But it's still like this little bit of panic that creep in, like six thirty-seven on Sunday nights. And I got no box. What's that? This article mentioned that. Yeah, it's it's totally real. And it's funny because this comes up in training all the time because people think that Sunday night is the best night to send emails. Um, because I think that used to be true. I really think that used to be true because Sunday night, people were freaking out about the work. There isn't a chance in, you know what, that I would ever prospect on a Sunday night. Not in a million, no, not million, absolutely not. million years. You want to know why? Uh, why? I have a life. I have a life beyond <laughs> selling. I'm not, it's enough. I, I've worked so hard at this. I'm not, I'm taking my weekends. I don't want to do mm-hmm. this on the weekends. And if I get an email from a sales rep on a Sunday night, all I can think about is this rep has no life. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Also, I think that back in 2009, 
2012, this Sunday night email thing could have been a little bit more true. But like then everyone got the memo and now it's 2019. People need to stop working on the weekend, figure out this whole work-life balance. I Maybe this is the pep talk I'm giving to myself right now. So but anyway. Sunday ledge. Look, it's not just that. It's like the same rep who swears that Sunday night, so the best time to email, get ahead of the week, you get first in the inbox, mm-hmm. is also the same rep who's reluctant to ask for cell phones on a first call, which... I think totally. it's a more aggressive, assertive, and stronger tactic than, than yes. emailing on Sundays, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, might be a good segue to our email question. Yes, it is. So for those of you who are t- tuning in for the first time, this is your sales MBA where we're answering your questions at every stage of the sales funnel. And we're answering real questions from real sales reps who like us are sitting at their desk and thinking, oh my God, this just happened. What do I do now? Or I'm working on this deal and it's stuck. How do I unstick it? So this week, Jeff, we have a question from our friend Peter in San Francisco. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Peter wrote, Dear CC and Jeff, I'm a Fairview New Sales Rep, having been promoted from the BDR role. Well, congratulations, Peter. Yes. He said, while I'm loving my new responsibilities and role of a fully-fledged sales rep, I find that I'm struggling when it comes down to negotiating with my prospects. How do I know when it's the right time to push them versus when is it the right time to back down? Are there indicators that I can look for that will clue me in? And how can I approach negotiation? Thanks, Peter. Great question. And I, I don't think you, have, you don't have to be new to sales to, to have that same curiosity. Totally. Totally. The psychology of negotiation is something that we talk about a lot. So let's jump in. Yeah. So, you know, the, I understand the question totally, but I'm going to challenge the premise a little when I give you my answer. I'm challenging the premise of when is it all right to do it? When is the customer ready? When is the prospect ready? And how do I know if I push too far, if I should back up? All these questions are contemplating, you know, anticipating what the rep, uh, the, the customer is going to do. Sales is not about, or closing is not about, what can I get from this prospect that's, you know, that I can, you know, that I think they're ready to give me. What, what can I ask for that I think I will get? It's really about asking for what you want that's reasonable and letting them answer. So you, it's less about that specific prospect you have to worry about and more about just the general reasonableness of your request. So, for example, you mentioned early on in the in the relationship, if you are eager to get to procurement and you make closing or negotiating toward getting to procurement part of your first call with a prospect, I don't care what kind of negotiator you are, you're gonna be you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail because it's an inappropriate ask. It sounds good. We want to get to procurement early. Well, not really. You don't want to go to procurement too early. Plus, it would be beyond the pale for a buyer to introduce a vendor to procurement when they haven't even started a sales process yet. So that wouldn't be a question of the customer pushing back. That's just reasonableness pushing back. But if you scheduled a conference call later in the week and you decided you want to use the moment of scheduling that conference call to get your host's cell phone number, they also may not give it to you any more than they gave you the introduction to procurement. But here, your request for a cell phone number prior to a scheduled meeting isn't so unreasonable. I'd argue it's kind of normal. I mean, in 2019, who's using their landline? So once you and I have a relationship, if we need to be able to talk to each other in a timely way, we're going to do it through our mobile. So closing for it after you've received the confirmation on your first meeting, totally appropriate. So the first question you want to ask yourself is for everyone listening. When you're new to negotiation, new to closing, new to like driving opportunities in a more forceful 
confident, assertive way, first question to ask yourself is reasonableness. Is what I'm asking for, independent of this person, is this just a reasonable thing I should be asking or not? And then from that answer, make a list of three or four or five things that you think are reasonable to close for in the first meeting. I think cell phone numbers are one of them. I think finding out levels of pain or interest is one. I think referrals is another, and I'm sure everyone listening can think of a few others they could add to that list. Then, once you've assembled a list of what we would call, at our training, lighter or early gets, these are things you want to get, if you were to identify three, four, or five early gets, then you create the proper golf grip so you can hit those gets every single time. And don't worry about this particular buyer or not. Great negotiators, particularly early, have a plan, they have a strategy, and they have a cadence. You want to respect that. There's no question that as the deal advances, it gets more and more unusual and more and more specific and creative, but not early. Early, you don't know anybody yet. And the mistake most reps make is they figure, you know what, let me wait to get to know this person better before I start asking for things, only to realize as a couple of weeks go by that as they learn this customer better, the customer doesn't share the same desire to wait on asking. So the customer is going to be asking for tons of things over those couple of weeks And then when you finally have your head together to ask for your first thing, you'll already be behind hopelessly. So think of three or four or five gets you want. Make sure they pass a reasonable test. And you ask them appropriately at every sales stage, making sure that if you hear a yes, continue in your pursuit of questions. And if you hear a no, either back up to a lighter request or just say, I look forward to talking to you at our meeting on Thursday. Never give the buyer an indication that whether they give you what you want or don't give you what you want, you never want to give the indication that you're pleased or unpleased by it. You always just want to move on to the next request or end the call. So that's my that's my answer on early negotiations. What do you think, Cece? Well, I think it's interesting. I think that a lot of people define negotiation or when you're a sales rep and you're thinking about negotiation, you think about it once a contract is on the table and you're talking about T's and C's and you're talking about price and you're going back and forth. That's what most people define as negotiation. But what we do is we take the idea of negotiation and we kind of flip it on its head. And we've redefined negotiation. And Peter, this is something that you should be thinking about as negotiation should start from the first time that you interact with this person, which is different than what most sales reps do naturally right? We yeah. we mostly wait for our prospect to ask us for things and then we readily give it to them. And we don't introduce this idea of how we negotiate early on. We wait until it's the end of the process. And we're so concerned about making sure that the deal goes through that we start to give them more than we maybe want to when the conversation, you know, once we get into that deep pricing and terms and conditions conversation. Yeah. So we're starting early. It's an important distinction. And we we know it conceptually. I think most people know, yeah, negotiation starts with the first call, but it becomes kind of a cliche. You don't really think about why. And I think that's right. I think, you know, negotiation is the advancement of an opportunity through reciprocity, through some kind of exchange. And it's a normal part of all negotiation. It's a normal part of all deal advancement. And if you don't start the process, they will. And if they start the process, they're going to have an enormous advantage 
damage to you. So um, I think the early closes are pretty important. And worry about the bigger closes when you know them better. Don't worry about how well you know someone when you ask for their cell phone number or you ask for their uh, <laughs> timeline or you ask for their project. Because that's like standard first call anyway. And if you're going to get weird about asking for things that I think most buyers or accustomed sales reps asking, if you're going to get weird early, then you're basically telling the customer they're either ill-prepared, not very sophisticated, or not very good. And I, I don't think you want to make that, I don't think you want to, you want to, you want to demonstrate that early you know, or ever. Jeff, I'm feeling really kind this morning. Do you think that we should show people how to ask for cell phone numbers on the first call? Sure. You are feeling kind. I'm feeling uh, really generous right now because I know if I were rep listening to this, I would be like, yeah, yeah, I want to ask for cell phone numbers, okay. but how do I do it? Because there's right. an art to it. There is let's an art to it. it. There is so an art to it. I'll be the buyer. Okay. You do the sales rep and let's show them how we ask your cell phone number. Okay, cool. So whenever I always ask the cell phone number in the same place on every call, I always ask for it right after the customer has agreed to meet me. So we'll do a little role play here, CC. You'll, we'll just pick up with you saying, yes, I can talk to you at three o'clock on Thursday or whatever it is. And you'll hear how it flows. Um, I generally ask for a lot of other stuff too, but for this, I'm just going to ask for the cell phone number so you can hear what it sounds like. All right, CC. Ready All right. More. Perfect. All right. I'm timing in. Sounds great, Jeff. I can speak to you on Thursday at 3. Okay. Are you in front of your computer? I am. Okay. I'm about to send you a meeting request. Hold on. All right. Just send it. Let me know when you see it. I, I just got it. Okay. Just hit accept and we'll be all set. All right. And my Listen. cell phone number is 617-555-5555. What's yours? Time out. That's how you ask for it. All right. Break it down. All so right. we... So first thing I did was... I, time. Yeah. For the first close... When she said that she was, she said she was ready for meeting, I did not say good, super, wonderful, because all those things would have done would have shown that I was pleased with what I got, and that would have given me a kind of a lower status in our peer relationship. I'm not going to make any comments on whatever you give me, yes or no. You gave me the meeting. I asked you immediately, are you in front of your computer? You said yes. That's two closes, two yeses. I said, all right, let me give you, I'm going to send you a meeting request. This is to eliminate the, uh, the no-shows. It goes a long way. If, if all they do is hit accept on the phone with you live, they will show up at that meeting. You know, I'm sure if you look back at your calendars, you will see meetings and calls that did happen where the, all the, the attendees did not hit accept. That is a passive-aggressive maneuver that a buyer will make to give themselves an exit ramp to bail out of a meeting. Oh, I never saw it, or I wasn't in my calendar. So this is a, a, a strong close, but I can't ask for it unless she's in front of her computer. Once she hit accept, then I offered my cell phone number, and the idea is that because she's staring at a monitor with the invitation she just accepted in front of her, that if she wanted to write this cell phone number down, she could. Now, I don't think she is, but she's pretending to because she's not telling me she's not writing it down. <laughs> then, we used, then we used an old sales classic, the minor major close, where you draw out an offer. I noticed I said my fake number very, very slowly. That's part of the minor major close. I'm going to offer my cell phone number first, five, 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 and then with a quick on the heels request, what's yours? Now, if you shut your mouth after the what's yours, there's going to be a three to five second period of silence. 
That silence is because she does not want to give you that cell phone number. The silence is because she doesn't know what to say. Because there's no logical reason to not give you a cell phone number. She said yes to a meeting. She accepted the meeting request and she took your cell phone number. There is no, she can't come up with a reason to not give you a cell phone number in three or four seconds. And because you're going to wait there in silence with her, somewhere around the third or fourth second, she's going to realize she doesn't have an answer, which is going to leave her to do the only logical thing that people do in these situations. She's going to blurt out her number. Now, is she, mm-hmm. going, to every, is she going to do it every single time? No. But if you do what we just told you, every single time you close for a meeting or a conference call, I'm going to tell you right now, you will get 60 to 70% of these meetings you'll have a cell phone number for. It's pretty, pretty, pretty significant. Totally. And the important part, that everyone should know is regardless of whether you get that number or not, you say the same exact thing once they give it to you or once they say, I don't give out my cell phone number. You say, thanks so much. Looking forward to seeing you on Thursday or speaking to you on Thursday. If if you gave me the cell phone number or didn't give me the cell phone number, I say the same thing. Same thing. Exactly. Well, thank you. I look forward to meeting you. you And I'll tell you something. There's something to be said about getting a no on your first call when you have a meeting scheduled. Because, you know, people say, oh, no's just mean yes later. No, nah, no, sometimes no <laughs> means no. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, but the idea is that if you can show your customer that you can handle no's with grace, without freaking out, without stressing out and chasing them all the room and losing your mind, well, guess what? They might have a little more confidence in you than they did before. And they might have enough confidence to actually tell you the truth once in a while, knowing you can handle it. And I would far rather get truthful answers than ones that are trying not to hurt my feelings. Amen to that. Well, Peter, you got a twofer here. You learned how to negotiate early and you learned how to get people's cell phone numbers. So thank you to Peter for your question and you're welcome to everyone else for this little twofer that you got here on this episode of your sales MBA. Jeff, before we go, what's the one thing we're going to tell people that they need to do today to impact their pipeline? One thing to do today to pack their pipeline. Um, Impact, but also pack it. I like it. You know what? what? I don't like the word impact. That's why I said pack. All right, let's pack it. You know why I don't like the word impact? Why? The violent word. It is a violent word. I know. As soon as you said it twice in a row like that, all I could think about was something like a car accident. So I hear you. Of course. I don't like the words. But pack it in, yeah. So uh, something you can do to pack your pipeline today. Yeah. Call any customer you closed in the last two quarters and ask those customers who are now a customer for three or six months, ask them for a letter grade on how your company is doing as their newest vendor. Mm. And if they say, oh, you're doing great, really force them to give you a grade and then understand how to decipher a customer's grade of you. Here's how it works. If the customer says you're an A, you're an A. If the customer says you're an A minus, you're a B. If the customer says you're a B, you're a C. And if the customer says B minus or anything lower, you're an F. (laughs) And we will explore that on a future podcast. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Peter, thank you for your question. If you want more on negotiation, we are getting ready to launch our annual negotiation and closing workshop. So keep your eyes peeled on our website, sellhoffman.com. Make sure that you send us your questions via email. Send us questions on anything that's going on in your world of sales, and we'll be sure to answer it on our next episode of Your Sales MBA. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. Remember to send us your sales questions at podcast at sellhoffman.com, or you can even tweet us at Your Sales MBA pod. 
And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you can be the first ones to get Jeff and Cece's expert sales tips delivered right to your earbuds every week. Happy selling, everyone.